Yeah, back with the panel here on RNZ National, uh, and it's nice to have you here. Wallace Chapman joining Simon Wilson uh, and George Stiliano. And if you haven't heard, Jacinda Ardern will not be seeking re-election. Her last day as Prime Minister is the 7th of February. Uh, And look, a massive response. Be balanced. We have a country in the greatest debt, failing health system, worst child poverty stats ever, education crisis, economy throttled. Be balanced, please. Another one says, she had a big intellect but was so flawed where she led us. The social engineering of this government will prove to be unwanted. Plus, they're just not competent operators. Others say, for example, one here, I was having lunch in a cafe and I was holding it in until her voice shook and she promised her daughter and husband a life with her in it. And Clark, let's get married. I don't usually cry at lunchtime in public, but we do seriously need to be better at supporting our women leaders, especially mummers. She won't miss the misogyny and hate, feeling bruised, but hopeful as Labour is a strong team, in my opinion. So, um, the news has gone around the world. Front page, Daily Mail UK, front page BBC, front um, of the site on the New York Times. we discuss that uh, a bit later. But with us now is former Labour Party leader David Cunliffe. David, welcome to the panel. Thank you, Wallace. Nice to be with you. Clearly an emotional speech there from uh, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. I mean, you could really sense that emotion, couldn't you? Couldn't you? As a former Labour Absolutely. leader, what was going through your mind? Oh, having got over, uh, I'm sure as we all did, some degree of surprise uh, at the announcement, uh, feeling for her, knowing firsthand how hard it is to... Um, take the reins at fairly short notice and and what a high pressure role being a leader of a major political party is alone being prime minister at a time of enormous crisis um you know terrorist attacks uh the worst pandemic we've had since 1918 uh, significant economic downturn volcanic eruptions you name it what else was going to happen and you know she will have uh, a legacy as having been a um, a strong and clear and empathetic hand at the tiller during those times. When you read those out, when you le- read that roll call out, David, of the crises, you know, almost one after another, she said, didn't she, that uh, mm. it never felt like there was any normal time of governing. No, no. Um, as someone said, we live in weird times and, you know, unfortunately they're likely to get weirder rather than more normal as, as the next few years unfolds. That's the world we live in. And look, leadership in that environment and, as you mentioned, in a, in a toxic social media age is, is an extremely difficult thing to do, hard on her, hard on her family. And, and as she said, as, as she was choking back those tears, she went into the summer break hoping she would get enough gas back in the tank to be able to do the stretch, but but um, confronting honestly the issue that, that she could not. Before we go to our panellists, uh, David Cunliffe, who are you picking to be next? Look, that's a matter for the Labour caucus. The rules are that they'll need a two-thirds majority within seven days uh, in order for it not to go to an electoral college of the caucus, the party membership and the affiliates. I think it'll be mm. quite an intense process uh, for the sake of continuity of government uh, to ensure that outcome. That is but, an intra-caucus quick decision. 
Um, I, you know, I have no inside knowledge as to who the front runners would be, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, Minister Hipkins, uh, Minister Woods, Michael Woods, uh, perhaps uh, Minister Megan Woods and Minister Kerry Allen, those types of people uh, might be giving it some consideration. But I'm sure the phones will be running hot over the next few days and the conversations at all levels of the party caucus in Napier would be intense. Georgie. Well, I haven't got much to to add to that, David, but I am interested in your, your take on, on Grant Robertson's decision and whether or not you think yeah. he would have been the, 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 the best um, viable option at least through to, to the election and, and what you make of the decision that he, he has made. Yeah, look, that's a, that's a really important question. Uh, and I have to say, in all honesty, I was somewhat uh, surprised because I can see an argument that for the... David, are you... He could have been preferred. Mm. Um, and, sorry, go on. No, keep going. Uh, look, at the same time, as he himself said in his press statement, he's had multiple goes at it and not been successful, and he had vowed he wasn't going to have another go. Uh, and I think we have to take him uh, at his word. He's also been finance minister at an equally challenging time, and as he said, uh, continuity in that role uh, is probably in the country's interests. So, um, you know, we, we have to take him at his word too, that he is not going to offer, not going to stand, um, and thereby there will be you know, a lot of discussion, and I imagine quite a lot of surprised caucus colleagues who will be mm. who'll be asking the question, well, who next? And, you know, some of those people will have, you know, a long-term perspective. Some of them might be more concerned with managing the transition, um, you know, in the short term, and, and all those factors will come into Simon Wilson. David, I wonder, you were in that caucus for quite a long time. I know, I know it's changed a little now, but do you have a feeling for whether they will tend to opt for a super experience, the Hipkins or a Woods perhaps, or whether Sorry. they'll want or whether they'll want a fresh start. I wonder if you could repeat the question you I, I oh, broke no. up or you broke up a little What I'm what I'm asking you, David, is is whether you have a feeling for the caucus whether it will tend to prefer a super experienced candidate, like a Hipkins or a Woods, or whether it will uh, be more inclined to go for a fresh start. Yeah. That's a that's that's a key question that only Chris can answer. Um, <laughs> you, you may well except you except you're on radio, so you give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I uh, I'm not paid that kind of danger money. Uh, <laughs> what, people all, all I would say is that your your framing of a question is real. Uh, if you were going for continuity at at uh, you know the more experienced hands, um, you could make an argument the country's well used to. Minister Hipkins through the COVID uh, pandemic. Uh, Minister Woods has been seen as a pretty effective uh, pair of hands in, in multiple portfolios. Uh, if you're looking at the next generation, then you know you might be looking at people like uh, Michael Woods. Uh, you know there are others, Kerry Allen, Kieran McAnulty, and others who have been spoken about as having potential for the future. Um, and then, you, you know, you've got to balance out the interests of, of, of the caucus and the government with the perceived interests of the players and who's supporting them. And, look, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm too long out of it to know <laughs> uh, where those, those balls would fall. All right, David. I'd find before Very you go, diplomatic. Before you go, David Cunliffe, <laughs> of the Labour Party today, do you think it's in a good place, 2023? 
Uh, look, I think whoever's in power, it's a tough wicket. Um, that would be true whether it was Labour or National. Uh, worldwide, we have um, you know the entrails of a pandemic. We have a deteriorating global security situation. We've got a worldwide recession. Um, it doesn't get much tougher than that. Uh, and people are rightly concerned about the cost of living right back on their own doorsteps and dinner tables. So whoever's there, tough wicket. Uh, can the government win? Uh, yes, they can. Uh, what are their odds? Too soon to tell. How they manage this transition will be absolutely critical. Um, you know, there's been a bit of speculation Jacinda might go, uh, but the timing and suddenness of the announcement, I think, will have caught a lot of people by surprise. Uh, and as I say, there'll just be a lot of intense conversations and phone calls going on in the Labour caucus over the next few days. You can be sure of that. David Cunliffe-Cura, thank you for your time here on the panel. You're a Wallace. Yeah. Wallace, I wonder if I could just... just um, Add a note on that, um, and it relates back to the comments you were read out earlier about the damage that you know, one of your uh, right-in people had, had said that Jacinda Ardern had done. It's very easy to frame this as a, a, a discussion about a Prime Minister who believed in compassion uh, versus the mess we're now in uh, economically. And I just think that's a, a bad way to frame it. We, we have very low unemployment. We have good terms of trade. We have the best prices in agriculture that we've enjoyed for a decade. Our inflation rate is not higher than most of our trading partners, uh, and it's lower than many. You know, we have lower debt than every other country in the developed Western, uh, Western world. You know, our economy is not the basket case that people are uh, painting it as. Uh, and that is the outcome of the government's management through COVID and the Ukraine war yeah. and the surging inflation that those things have brought. And I think we just need to re remember that it's not about compassion versus, um, you know, things are all wrong. Well, as I mentioned, we have had uh, many, many people, including all, all of the people on uh, We've Got to Wear, uh, have been um, overwhelmingly uh, supportive of uh, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern and very sad to see her step down. Michelle, though, uh, uh, takes another view. Michelle, kia ora, welcome. Well, uh, hello. So, um, tell us, um, you're, you're you're happy to see Jacinda Ardern go? I I am. Um, I uh, my concern over the last few years has been the uh, vaccine mandates that the Labor government um, bestowed upon the citizens of this country. Uh, there was a lot of damage done at that time. To people and people's lives, families, uh, people. Lives employed, were saved. And, and lives were saved. Ninety-seven percent of us got vaccinated. Damage, excuse me. That damage uh, stays today because um, after the mandates were dropped, in actual fact, employers now have the right to ask their employees and prospective employees... No, I asked about, I asked about Jacinda Ardern, not uh, your view on vaccine mandates. Um, so who would you like to see in, uh, in, 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 in the next election? That's why I was called to speak to you, because of my text to you with regards to the silence on the damage that vaccine mandates has caused... Okay, no, we've got to go, Michelle. Uh, kia ora, thanks for your time. That's uh, Michelle there. It is a 16 to 5.
the panel. Now, Grant Robinson ruling himself out as Prime Minister has left a huge question mark over who will take over. But someone who knows this caucus very well is former Cabinet Minister Ian Lees-Galloway. He's with us on the line now. Kia ora, Ian. Kia ora, Wallace. And I... uh, Simon, Georgie, great to um, be on with you as well. Hello. Great to have you here now. Who is it going to be? <laughs> well, that's a very definitive question. Um, look, I think the list of people that has been talked about uh, this afternoon, uh, Chris Hipkins, Michael Wood, um, Kitty Tapu Allen, maybe Megan Woods, uh, and I would throw in maybe as a deputy leader speculation, Carmel Cipollone. I think mm. that's okay. the right group of people that people are talking about. There is a lot of speculation, uh, though, about Kitty Tapu Allen. Ian, are you there? Ian has lost us. Let's um, let's go to Georgie on that. Mm, oh, that's interesting yeah. on on Carmel Cipollone. I, I yeah, maybe. The other thing that I would have loved to have asked Ian, not that this would he's ever coming, he's happen. coming back. Okay, well, when he's back, the question I would love to ask, and I, as I said, this would never happen. But would Andrew Little ever be able to do it again? Because I was always a fan of Andrew Little. And I actually think in this government, he has proved a very hardworking, diligent, Mr. Fix-It type minister. And I know he wouldn't, but it would be interesting to see if maybe he might. Andrew Little back in the mix. Let's bring Ian Lees Galloway back in. It's good to be back. (laughs) What do you reckon, Ian? Could could Andrew Little ever throw his name in again? Because I quite liked Andrew. I think it's a bit of a stretch. Um, yeah, I <laughs> yes. think I think you know we've, we've seen we've had the experience. Andrew's an amazing guy, and mm. I think he's um, really found his feet as a minister, uh, and he's enjoyed that role. And and I, I, if I were Andrew, I wouldn't be rushing to put my hand up to take on the leadership. No, again. you run for the hills more likely. But yes. <laughs> now, um, uh, in terms of uh, Grant Robinson, your thoughts there about. Grant, Ian. Yeah, look, it was like a lot of other people have been saying. It's certainly a surprise initially. You know, it, the expectation was always if, if something happened to Jacinda and, and, a, and a new leader was needed in short order, it would be Grant. Um, and my initial response was, I thought, oh goodness, you know, if you're going to read something into how the Labour Party feels about its own fortunes, I would have read more into Grant not putting his name forward than mm. just sort of stepping down necessarily. But yeah, you know, I, I, I hear what people are saying about, you know, maybe let's uh, draw a line under that period altogether and move on to a, a fresh face, even if it's an experienced face who's been around, but someone who's not as closely aligned with the COVID period as both of those leads are. Yeah, Simon. Um, I'm just um, puzzled by this uh, Andrew Little thing. Uh, <laughs> Andrew. It's a wild <laughs> card, Simon. Right? Yeah, yeah, if you like. Yeah, yeah. Andrew Little. To, in in my experience, Andrew Little did the fine, one of the finest things I've ever seen in politics. Mm. In 2018 at Waitangi, he turned up as the new Treaty of uh, Waitangi Treaty Settlements Minister and spoke in Tureo and was it was a long and complex speech, I'm told. Now, I've read the translation. Um, and he was enormously impressive for that. He did it without notes, uh, just straight through. Uh, very, very fine commitment to to that portfolio. But on the other hand, he has been the minister whose tenure allowed him to get sadly out of touch with demands of nurses over the last two years and uh, and of the uh, health system at the front emergency end of it. 
Yeah, and I think that's been problematic for him and Ian, for the party. Ian, Ian, is it? Uh, I mean, let's get let's get real here. Is this actually a, a massive blow? For Labour, I can recall when uh, Jacinda Ardern took over, and almost immediately, almost immediately, the ratings, uh, the polls rather, went up significantly. Uh, is, is it a sense of being, oh my goodness, oh my gosh, back to square one? I, I, look, I, I could imagine that uh, people who are at the caucus retreat today might have had those feelings. It's really too early to say whether that's what the impact will be or not. Um, you know, they, they need to choose a new leader. They need to do that in short order. I agree with what others have said, that they'll do that on Sunday. There will be pressure on caucus to make sure they find a consensus candidate and don't go through the electoral college process. Um, and then that person has to make their mark. And so it's really hard to tell at this stage, does this draw the line under the COVID period and, and some uh. of the negativity around that and then Labour moves on? Or, you know, has everything been hanging on Jacinda Ardern and, uh, you know, it's kind of, as you say, back to square one for Labour, I think far too early to say. Uh, and, you know, people inside the Labour Party machine will be working pretty hard to make sure that that second outcome doesn't happen and that they draw on everything that they've learned over the last five years. So in Napier, what's happening right now? Uh, I, I, I would say, and I've, I've got no particular insight, but um, I would say from having been through a few leadership contests as a caucus member, there will be a lot of conversations going on. There will be a lot of phone calls being made. Uh, and you know, and the process of working out who that consensus candidate and who the who the consensus pairing is uh, will be will be happening right now, and that'll be happening very intensely over the next couple of days. As I say, I think you know from Labor's experience of going out to the wider party, especially at the beginning of an election year, they'll want to avoid that. Right. There'll be very intense conversations about how they get this sorted on Sunday. Well, very interesting. Yeah, That's, yeah keep going, Simon. Yeah, a question for Ian. Uh, if you look at what National did when they chose uh, Christopher Luxon, they went to the candidate they believed best represented some core values for that party, mm. the business leader. Uh, do you think this caucus is likely to do that uh, in replacing Jacinda? Will they look for somebody who uh, represents core values in the Labour Party uh, in, in a comparable way? I, I, look, I think that's possibly a you know, bit of an oversimplification of, of what National did in choosing Christopher Luxon. They, they also chose someone who already resonated with public and um, and, ha- and was able to demonstrate that, that leadership experience. I well, he was very new in politics. politics. Uh, he was still new in politics, yes, but he, yeah, he had that background. And uh, and people were talking about him as a future leader before he was even selected as a candidate, I think. Uh, so. So I think what Labour will be looking for is someone who can demonstrate uh, and, and personify Labour's message for this election. And I would think Labour's message for this election is we're getting back to basics, we're focusing on the things that matter to people in their day-to-day lives. Cost of living is very important to that. Mm-hmm. So just knuckling down and, and perhaps, you know, no one's going to have Jacinda's charisma, but 
maybe the electorate is actually looking for someone who is just a bit little, has a little bit less charisma uh, and personifies huh. that idea of really back <laughs> to basics well, and focusing okay. on the simple stuff. Interesting yeah. angle, uh, 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 someone with a little less charisma there. Uh, Ian Lees Galloway, uh, thank you very much for that. Eight to five, by the way, uh, we're doing a, there's a special a checkpoint uh, edition with a guy on Espiner and Corin Dan coming up at five. So do stay tuned uh, here on RNZ National. Now, we have mentioned uh, the international legacy aspect of Jacinda Ardern. With us is Natasha Frost, a journalist at The New York Times who has penned a piece uh, today on uh, Jacinda, uh, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. Natasha, welcome uh, to the panel here in New Zealand. Kia ora, thanks very much. Pleasure. A global liberal icon, I mean, that's what you mentioned. What yeah. do you put a star yeah. down? What do, what do you put her star power down to? Well, I think, um, you know, even very early on in her time in office, uh, Ardern was a hugely kind of charismatic figure, having a baby in office, bringing her baby, bringing me to the UN floor, the fact that, you know, she's uh, she's telegenic, she's photogenic. Um, and, and I think there was kind of a, a superficial kind of enthusiasm for her that grew to something more profound as she faced crisis after crisis because I think um, the global left and centre-left saw in Jacinda, what a lot of New Zealanders saw, which is to say a, a whole lot of heart when it came to uh, Fakari, when it came to the Christchurch massacres um, and her ability to kind of connect with people. And I guess one might say as well, in an era uh, often dominated by Trump and Trumpian politics, um, I guess the policies, or not the policies rather, but the style of Jacinda Ardern um, stood out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember um, the the debates that happened before the 2020 election in New Zealand, just comparing them with the debates that took place before the most recent presidential election in the United States. Uh, the tone was totally different. And I, I think for a lot of people, she represented kind of a more funny, civil kind of liberal politics, which really resonated with a lot of people. Stay there, uh, Natasha. We have a panel with us. Georgie? I was in the States a few years ago, Natasha, and every time I spoke to an American and said I was from New Zealand, the response was always about Jacinda Ardern. And (laughs) it kind of blew me away at the the time. Um, I mean, we'd seen this, this, this sort of Jacinda mania happening here. But then I think we, us Kiwis kind of, the honeymoon phase kind of wore off and it was just like the day-to-day, yep, yep, she mm. runs the country, all, all good. Yeah, we quite like her or no, we don't, whatever. But in America, it was unbelievable. Then I suppose you're looking, you're comparing, you've got Trump, you've had Boris Johnson, Liz Truss. I mean, in comparison to these calibre of leaders globally, Jacinda Ardern will always stand out, right? Yeah, I think there's some truth to that. And I think it's also kind of worth acknowledging that um, to people outside of New Zealand, she came from nowhere. She was very young. I mean, what, the youngest leader in 150 years in New Zealand? Um, and uh, she she just seemed to represent as a kind of a young, friendly, sunny woman, something very, very different to the kind of um, currents of politics elsewhere. Yeah, Simon? I'm, I'm just wondering how much of Jacinda Ardern's impact 
globally and, and in America especially has been symbolic. And I'm not knocking symbolism because we need things to be symbolic in politics. They, they do resonate. Uh, but has it beyond that also had a practical consequence? Are there politicians in America who you might say uh, model themselves on her or apply her principles, what we know, to, what we think of as her principles in how they conduct themselves? I think that's an excellent question. I mean, I think, um, okay, so so after the Christchurch massacres, the, the ban on assault weapons, which, you know, came through in a matter of days, I think there are tangible things like that that uh, fans of Jacinda Ardern do point to, that it isn't just about um, her image and kind of what she symbolizes. In terms of the effect she's had on other politicians, it's sort of hard to say. I think that there are... Um, younger female politicians like uh, uh, Ocasio-Cortez in the United States, for instance, who certainly kind of fit a similar mold, but I don't think that anyone necessarily explicitly seeks to emulate her. Um, I think that perhaps they see in her potential to connect with voters in a different way. Natasha, nice to have you here on the panel in New Zealand. Kia ora. Thanks very much. There's uh, Natasha Frost, uh, journalist at the New York Times, who has written uh, quite a bit of piece. Uh, you can see it on the front page of the New York Times uh, today. Finally, let's go to another listener. We have Mari on the line. Welcome, Mari. Thank you. What's your sense? How do you feel? Uh, oh, there's a gap. Uh, but um, I think we're, we've been very lucky to have her example of honesty and she's not self-serving she wasn't disparaging of others and um, that was that was worth having who do you think would make a worthy successor Chris Hipkins and why because he comes across as a similar type of person Uh, he's articulate he's uh, he can handle seemingly any portfolio he's handed, and um, I think he people like him. He's he's um, he's a, a nice he's a nice New Zealander. Good on you, Murray. Hey, thanks for listening and thanks for your time today. Thank you. And that is the show this afternoon dedicated to the announcement today that uh, Prime Minister uh, Jacinda Ardern will not be seeking re-election last day as Prime Minister the 7th of Feb. Now do keep listening because Checkpoint is having a special edition on this very issue with a guy on Espiner and Corin Dan, and then into the morning too, morning report uh, uh, following the issue and what is going to be uh, happening next. Nonetheless, Simon Wilson, um, it's going to be a huge, huge 2023, is it not? Oh, absolutely huge. And, and really, we start, we start now, uh, as I said earlier, from square one.